Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. But I want to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Ashley Wilkerson, and my husband, Pastor JF, and I get to pastor this amazing church, Church for All Nations. Yes, I love it. Absolute dream come true. We are brand new pastors here. We've only been here, I think the installment, it's been about two and a half months, about six weeks that we have been installed here. And so God is doing incredible things and we are excited for what is to come. But I have to tell you that when we announced that our very first women's Bible study would be called This Is War, I got a lot of questions, right? I got a lot of really funny looks too, and mostly from people that don't know me, because the people that do know me, this is old hat. (laughs) If they know me at all, I'm just a, a shy bit intense, so it made sense. It made sense. But what was so interesting is the questions that I ended up getting about, Ashley, why would the very first Bible study that you teach, why would that be on warfare? And what's so interesting to me is truly my question back is always, why wouldn't it be? Right? Because anyone that's asking that question doesn't understand that the very first thing that God called you The very first description that God had written into scriptures was of a warrior. Did you know that in Genesis, when God looked at man and said, oh, no, I can do better than that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on. Just kidding. When God in Genesis looked at man and said, It's not good for him to walk this alone. In fact, in Ashley's version, I think it said, you know what? Him by himself, that can't accurately reflect who I am. So I'm going to make for him a, and in the King James, it says, help meet. And we've unfortunately translated it to helper, which is okay. I I don't mind being a helper. I I like helping people. I, I think being a helper is very godly, but it diminishes the weight of what that word actually means in the Hebrew. You see, you need to understand that you were created as a warrior. You need to understand that that word helper or help meet, in the original language actually means one who comes when he cries for help. It's a military term. It's used 21 times in the Hebrew Bible. And 17 of those times, it's used to describe God delivering us. And that's the term that the Lord used to describe you, woman, deliverer, 
savior, warrior. This is war. You were created for war. And I don't know about you, but when I pray, I sometimes argue with the Lord and sometimes I argue with those voices that I know the enemies put in the back of my head. And I was in our office not even an hour ago praying for you and praying about what the Lord would do tonight in your life, opening your eyes, and I said, Lord, help each one of them to understand the nature in which you have created them. Help them to understand the warrior that you have put inside of them, Lord, that they truly are created for this war, for your glory. And in that moment, do you know what I heard? I literally heard, weaker vessel. This is, this is real life. And I thought, well, well Lord, I know that, you, that scripture says that we are weaker vessels. And it, actually in the original language, it means more delicate. And I, as strong as I heard, so much more powerfully that I heard that term trying to diminish my prayers, I heard the Holy Spirit say, the most powerful weapons in the world have to be handled delicately. And I said, that's exactly it, Lord. That's exactly it. Help them to understand the nature in which you have created them and what you've created them for. My husband, Pastor JF, loves the Middle East. It's his absolute favorite place on the planet to visit, to study, to pray for. He's super passionate about the Middle East and uses any possible excuse to travel there. And he was there about a year and a half ago with an organization called Open Doors. It's an organization that goes in and works with the persecuted church in some of the roughest places on the planet for Christians to live. And he was in Beirut and I remember the night that I'm gonna tell you about, because this only a husband would do this. He FaceTimed me, right? He's FaceTiming me as Putin is bombing the Syrian border behind him. Hey babe, how are you and the kids? And I'm like, what are you doing? At least hide that from me, right? Like, this is brutal. So he's standing on the Syrian border and that night, there was a Syrian pastor that drove the road to Damascus, to Beirut, to meet JF. The most dangerous road in the entire world. It's usually referred to as the road to hell. And this pastor drove this road to meet with my husband and a few other American pastors. And JF was telling me the story of meeting with this man of God and JF asked him, brother, why? Why would you brave that road just to meet with us? Why would you put yourself in the midst of that type of warfare just to meet with people that you don't even know? And I'll never forget what he said that pastor said. He said, JF, you Americans are so funny. Because you think just because you can't see the war that you're not in it. 
But this war is raging everywhere, brother. This is just one that you can see. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk about this war that we are in the middle of, that most of us have no idea about, that literally is raging around us, and yet we're oblivious to. A war that affects you and me, a war that God has called us to, and usually we refer to it as spiritual warfare. If you're new to this Bible thing, to this church thing, Maybe I need to explain it like this. There are multiple realms in the world. I'm not gonna get too deep on you right now. No string theory, I promise. <laughs> the realm that we see, the physical realm, that's not gonna be necessarily what we're talking about tonight. We're gonna talk about the unseen realm. The realm that scripture refers to so often as the heavenlies. There's so many different phrases that we will walk through in the next seven weeks that are referred to here. But we're gonna keep going back to two sections of scripture and I wanna encourage you to take notes tonight. I wanna encourage you because I believe and I say this all the time, I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of you. You would not be here tonight if he didn't. You hear his voice. And the more you're willing to intentionally listen to the Holy Spirit, the more you'll recognize that he actually is speaking. And so I wanna encourage you to take notes because there'll be some questions at the end that we'll have in discussion, but we won't have tons of time in that discussion. And so I want you to be able to look back at your notes and ask the Holy Spirit those answers for yourself and write those. There's gonna be some amazing things that God's gonna show you in this. We're gonna be continually going back to two specific anchors in scripture. And I love that they're both written by the Apostle Paul. And I have some theories about why Paul himself wrote about spiritual warfare so often. Now, if you don't know anything about the Apostle Paul, in his day, he was the equivalent to what we would call the leader of ISIS. So you have to understand, no one understood the reality of darkness and evil against good and righteousness the way Paul did, because Paul has been on both teams at one time. At one time, Paul was literally working with the kingdom of darkness, executing Christians. And then he moves into being the author of the majority of the New Testament through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty powerful transition, right? Like, incredible. So we're gonna look at what Paul wrote about spiritual warfare, and we'll continually go back to these two anchors. The first one is found in 2 Corinthians 10. Starting in verse three, scripture says, for though we live in the world, meaning this physical realm, right? We do not wage war as the world does. But here's what I don't want you to miss. We do still wage war. We just don't wage war the way the physical eye sees it. Verse four, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but we still have weapons to fight with. On the contrary, 
the ones that we have access to, right, the, the weapons that we are to fight with have divine power. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means literally power from God. Not physical power, power from God to do what? To demolish strongholds. Wow. That's a lot of churchy language, but you guys, we are going to unpack this over this next seven weeks in a way that's going to make so much sense to you. The second anchor is Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 12. Paul wrote, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly realms. We're going to unpack the heavenly realms in a couple weeks in a way that the Lord just blew my mind three weeks ago. Don't miss it. Verse 13, therefore, therefore, meaning because our battle is fought in the heavenly realms, right? Now you need to understand that this part is important. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Verse 14, still in Ephesians 6, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Okay, so I was talking with Pastor Ken, who's our resident theologian, right, and historian. And so he, he drafted for me the closest thing that we could find to what ancient warfare would have been for a belt. For ancient warfare armor, this idea of a belt. Now, I've never fought in a war I've never actually even worn armor, although I have worn some spanks that were so tight. <laughs> I, I'm not even lying. Like, literally at our wedding, I almost passed out because my girdle was so <laughs> cutting my air off. That's another conversation. But Scripture says to gird yourself with the belt of truth. Why would the Lord say that we needed first, first in the armor to put on a belt of truth. So I started researching, what exactly did this belt in the armor do? And history shows us very clearly that the belt was actually the most important aspect of the entire armor. That literally it was the one component that allowed every other part of the armor to function properly. The belt of truth. And did you know that what you consider to be truth also does that? What do you consider to be truth in your life? Let me ask you a better question. Who gets to determine what is true for you? Think about that for a second. Who determines truth? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, 
then we believe that this book determines truth for us. But maybe you're here today and you've allowed what your father said about you to determine truth for you. Maybe you allowed what that one boyfriend said over you to determine what is true about you or for you. Maybe you've let Hollywood or culture determine truth for you. And tonight I want you to understand that none of your tactics of warfare will actually function properly until you align yourself and gird who you are with the truth of the word of God. First and foremost, and nothing God speaks to you. My husband preached amazingly about it this past weekend. Nothing God speaks to you will ever contradict his word. And I know that tonight some of you will have to realign yourselves with his word in a new powerful way. How many of you have pet peeves? Come on, be honest. You know you do. Women have all kinds of pet peeves. What about this one? This is one of mine. This is confession time. I abhor, okay? This is not like a normal dislike. This is a literal hatred. I abhor, what a terrible word to use. Anytime I have to reach for the toilet paper and reach under the roll to get it. Literally, invite me to your house. I will change that roll. I'll do it. Pray for me. It, it is a sickness. I can't, I can't help it. It's, there's something about it that just doesn't function in my life, right? I also have other pet peeves, many of them. I won't share them all with you tonight. Another one of my pet peeves is when people quote scripture, but they only quote a portion of it and don't complete the thought. And then they try and tell me that scripture contradicts itself. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You just read half of that verse. Here's one of my favorite examples. Have you ever heard anybody tell you, the truth will set you free? Well, there's truth everywhere. And there's a lot of bound up people all around me, okay? People that need freedom. Does that make God's truth less true? Absolutely not. But let's read what the actual scripture says. It's out of John 8. Starting in verse 31, Jesus is speaking to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said to them, if you hold to my teaching, first component, how quickly we forget that one. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And when you are my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Don't miss that, don't miss that, the difference. You'll hold to his teaching and that makes you a disciple. And then you'll begin to comprehend and know what is actually true, girding yourself, right? With that belt of truth. And then the truth can set you free. 
Just recognizing that something's true doesn't mean freedom. It's such a huge difference. And so tonight I want to unpack three elements of truth about spiritual warfare. This is going to be kind of our introduction to these battles. Three elements of spiritual warfare, of truth about spiritual warfare that I believe we need to understand about the war that's raging all around us. And we're going to unpack these truths in the context of one of my favorite battles. It's a short one, but it's a good one. It's found in 2 Kings 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's going to be on the screens. And I want to start with verse 8. Scripture says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. I'm going to stop there because the very first truth that each and every one of us need to understand about spiritual warfare is the truth about who we are fighting. The truth about who we are fighting. Scripture says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. It is important to know who you are actually at war with. How many of you have realized who you're actually at war with? How many mamas do I have out here? Woo, yeah, good job making it out tonight. You guys are rock stars. I have two little ones. Israel is seven and Fulton is four. And maybe next week I'll bring a picture. Those of you that are Church for All Nations women have seen so many pictures, but they are amazing and awesome and the hardest and most incredible thing I've ever done, right? How many of you, your little ones get real active at night? And it's like not until it's literally bedtime or after you've put them to bed. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you mamas, it's that second that you finally think they're asleep and then they are dying of thirst or hunger and, and like they didn't eat any of their dinner, but now they, you know, want to eat a whole buffet and you're, come on, you got to be kidding me. So my children are incredibly active at night. I am that mom fail that they still end up most nights in bed with us. And literally, I, you can judge me. I judge me, right? It's okay. <laughs> We're working through it. But my son, Fulton, is the one that is still wetting the bed. Israel isn't anymore, praise God. I wet the bed till I was like 12, so I was really scared. But she's good. Fulton's four, he's still wetting the bed, so we're spending all that money on those really expensive nighttime diapers that, you know, if they only peed a little, you kind of save it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just be really real, right? And so it's literally like 3 a.m. This is a few weeks ago, 3 a.m. And Fulton in the middle of the night has crawled over my face and his diaper's already leaking a little. Yeah. And at first you think maybe it's your husband wanting to kiss and cuddle and then you realize it's straight up a wet diaper. And, and, and I wake up and realize what he's doing, and he says, Mama, Baba, Baba, which for him means he wants a sippy of almond milk. 
well, I don't even know my name at 3 a.m., you know? And so I, I'm, I'm literally peeling myself out of the bed, and I'm stumbling like a drunken woman to the, the fridge, and I managed to get it open. I managed to get the sippy top on, and I'm stumbling back in. I, there's nothing in me that's willing to fight him out of my bed at that point because then he's going to cry and wake Israel. It's just, it's not worth it, right? So he's wedged in between me and JF. I hand him the bottle and I lay back and all of a sudden I hear, take that you monsters and whap, I get knocked right in the eye <laughs> with the bottle that I just made for him. And I'm going, son, what is going on? And, and he, in his head, I literally, I hear him. He's out loud. He's saying, take that, you monsters. And he starts kicking me. And I, what, son, what are you doing? And I finally end up having to shake him in a loving way. <laughs> Fulton, you are smacking mommy, buddy. You need to wake up. Realize who you are hitting. I'm the one that feeds you, boy. <laughs> but this week as I was studying, I thought, gosh, how many of us are doing that? Scripture is so clear that we wage war with darkness, and yet we are expending all of our energy fighting each other. We are fighting flesh and blood. And Scripture says, no, no, no. You don't, Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces. And yet, we end up looking at spouses. It's their fault. Thinking our war is against them or our boss. Thinking it's a war against them. You need to understand, ladies, this morning, not the truth of how you feel about the fight, but the truth about who you are actually at war with. Who are you letting determine that truth? Let's go back to 2 Kings. Chapter 6, verse 8. We just read this part, but I'll read it again. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, the king said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Scripture actually says that. Scripture just yada yadded an entire section of a battle detail. Like I didn't write that in because I couldn't pronounce the name. But I would have done that. But scripture says, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. I need you for you to understand what that means here today. Some of us are ignoring the fact that the enemy has a plan. He actively has a plan and is creating plans, tactics against your life, against your family. You know, it's so interesting. I, even in praying over this entire message, I was asking the Lord to help each and every one of you catch a glimpse, like I said, of, of who he created you to be. And I heard in my spirit some of you even say, yeah, but, you know, I, I mean, I just work from home. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. And it's so cool because the Lord reminded me that when Scripture makes a reference 
to housekeeper. If you've read that, there's a, a couple passages in scripture. Did you know that that's actually a military reference too? It doesn't mean housekeeper. It means keeper of the home. Meaning that she is put in place to guard her entire house, her entire family. That she's staring the enemy down and saying, you can't come anywhere near my people without coming through me first. But you need to understand tonight that the enemy is making tactics. And that's the first part of this entire description of this battle that I want to stop and make sure that you grasp that dark forces are right now aligning and creating tactics against you and your very livelihood. And the next truth is one that we're going to talk about that has to do with how to combat that. The second truth that I wanna unpack tonight is the truth about how we fight. The first was the truth about who we fight and understanding that we don't ever fight flesh and blood, that we fight rulers and principalities of darkness. The second is the truth about how we fight. Look back with me at 2 Kings 6, starting in verse nine. The man of God, scripture's talking about Elisha here. And you need to understand that Elisha was an incredible prophet that had been brought up and mentored, literally discipled by Elijah. And sometimes those get confusing, right? But Elisha came after Elijah. And the amazing and awesome thing about Elisha is that he was twice as powerful as Elijah, twice as anointed. And if you look at scripture, the reason why he was twice as anointed as Elijah is very simple, because he asked. Wow, don't miss that tonight. In fact, this past week, I don't know, I haven't studied it, but I, I am gonna mention it. I was watching uh, one of my favorite pastors and, and, and I heard him say, and I was studying this, and he said, An, a mantle of anointing cannot leave the earth. So if someone dies, it has to go somewhere. Oh, I got a lot of people that I want their mantle. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, ooh, that one, that one. So we're talking about Elisha, and he is a prophet. And he's literally working hand in hand with the entire army of Israel. So scripture says, the man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place, that such and such place, right? Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. Verse 10. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, and he was right. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. I'm going to pause there. Understand what scripture's saying there. So you've got the king of Aram who is trying to set up literally specific attacks against Israel, and Elisha is praying and God is showing him 
all of this stuff way beforehand, and Elisha's calling up the king of Israel. There weren't phones. And going, yo, 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 don't go there. They're there already. And every single time he was right. Every single time. What's so incredible that you need to understand tonight is that despite all of the attacks that the enemy has planned for your life, if you are in direct connection with the Lord, he can save you a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, how we fight. Go back to scripture, verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. Well, I guess it did. Can you imagine? He's like this brilliant military strategist and every single one of his very best attacks are not working because somehow Israel knows every single time beforehand. So he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of Israel. Which of you is the mole? Which of you is selling our secrets? Because this couldn't possibly happen any other way. Verse 12, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who was in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Wow. It's like straight up Alexa listening in. <laughs> How many of you are kind of scared about that? Just a little bit. <laughs> that direct connection with God. Literally how the entire army of Israel is fighting. But honestly, one of the main questions that I get as a pastor is some form of this question. It's people that are super frustrated over the fact of having to pray, needing to pray, or not fully understanding prayer and a connection with God. And, and I always get some form of this phrase. Why doesn't God just do it himself? Have you ever thought that? Of course we have. My children ask that question, right? Like, why did God, you know, why this, why that? And to be honest, even though theologically I understand it and I knew it was very difficult for me to articulate it in pictures until recently. How many of you lost power during one of these last storms? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few of us lost power. This was one of the first times that my son Fulton had experienced an electrical power loss. And what's so interesting is that when we came in and the power wasn't working, you know, he went in and flipped the switch and was like, mommy, what's going on? And then he said, oh, oh, I just go over here and turn this light on, right? And he flips it and it's like, still not working. It's not until that moment that my son started asking me questions about the source of that power. Not until the moment that what we needed wasn't automatic. Did people start to look at the connection that we had to the source? Let that sink in for a second. This idea that if God saw our need and met it every single time, then we would never even have to give thought 
to how we're connected to him? What if we serve a God that desires connection with us even over an ideal situation? He would rather be directly connected to you than you have everything the way that you want it. It's so powerful. This idea that we serve a God that loves us so much that he created the entire world to operate in and through you. The entire kingdom of God exists and functions based on what you are willing to act on. St. Augustine said it this way, and this is one of my favorite quotes. It gets me so excited. Write it down, it's powerful. He said, without God, man cannot. Without man, God will not. Without God, man cannot. Without man, God will not. God created this entire universe in such a way that he chose to work his will in and through you based on what you are willing to claim, to pray, and to ask. What if today you went home and all of a sudden you only had in your life the things that you specifically asked God for? Wow. We start to recognize how little we really are functioning in his spirit. We start to realize how little we really are acting hand in hand with the Lord to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth here and now. What if you woke up in the morning and that was the reality? Look, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit wrecked me over this. He asked me that question before I asked you. I didn't like my answer, right? Oh. Lord, help me, help me. But what I love about this passage is not only is it based just on prayer, not only is this connection with God that Israel is literally winning this battle without doing anything from, not only is it just the connection with God in terms of prayer, but it's spiritual giftings. Now, some of you just turned me off the second I said that. Spiritual gifts. Some of you need to hear tonight that God has given you specific spiritual gifts, whether you ever recognize it or not, whether you ever use them or not. He's given them to you, placed in, in what could be this visual of a warehouse stocked full of things that an arsenal that he's desiring for you to use and you're not opening any of them. It's so interesting because scripture is so clear about spiritual gifts and it's not shocking that Paul's the one writing about those too. 1 Corinthians 12, one through two. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Hey, it's a big deal that you understand spiritual gifts. 
It is a huge deal. It is your arsenal. You need to understand how much the Lord desires to use spiritual gifts in and through you. And in case you want to argue this idea that he hasn't given you spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 4 tells us that he has. Some of you have been in situations where people mishandled or misused spiritual gifts. And the enemy loves that. He loves when that happens because then you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because then the second you hear anyone praying in tongues, you turn them off and call them kooks. You need to understand that the Lord has a prayer language for you that will unlock realms of power that you can't possibly understand. I am standing before you today a living witness because a little over a year and a half ago, my spirit started stirring and I couldn't even pray in English for almost an entire year. I started feeling guilty because I thought, Lord, I'm a pastor and I, every time I go to pray in English, I don't feel like I have words. And the Lord was setting up in the heavenly realms something that I couldn't even have dreamed of. What does the Lord have for you if you're willing to be open to the spiritual gifts, the connection for him to flow through you? I'm, I'm losing time. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Scripture says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy which is the gift that Elisha used in this battle. So the king is ticked off. The king demands that they find Elisha, and then when they find him, the Lord allows them to find him. They surround the city where he is. And Amy, you can come back. This brings us to the third truth, the final truth tonight that we're gonna talk about. Point number three is the truth about whose fight. We talked about the truth of who we fight. We talked about the truth of actually how we fight. And lastly, the truth about whose fight. Those of you that have heard me teach before or been around me for any length of time know that I'm a Southern girl and I grew up in a football family. And I married a sports enthusiast. And I'm pretty sure the reason he decided to marry me was because the very first date we went on, I asked if we could sit in front of the TVs at the restaurant to watch the game. And I think he said, Lord, she's for me. I'm done. <laughs> True story. But understand that serving the Lord in the Pacific Northwest during NFL season is really hard. And there's a lot of DVRing of games and I really hate to DVR games because it's lame when it's not in real time. And what happens even when my husband is preaching the house down is you have the sports center app open, right? Some of you don't, and maybe I should have made this about The Bachelor or something, I'm sorry. I. I don't DVR anything else. <laughs> and so I scan through, right? And I see the plays that are happening. 
And my husband even preaching can kind of tell by my demeanor, like how well the Seahawks are doing, those 10 a.m. games. So wrong. I'm telling all my stuff. And so what happens is by the time we get home, we know how the game ended, right? But what do we do? We watch them anyway. So we press play on the DVR and what's so interesting is that nothing about the game changes because we know how it ends except for one thing, our reaction. When I know how the game ends, I don't lose my mind when Russell Wilson gets sacked, right? I don't have to confess before the Lord and repent for screaming at the ref. Nothing about the game changes with my foresight, except for my reaction. And I want you to get this because it's so incredibly important. Because in reality, when we looked at what the belt of truth actually does, in ancient armor, the belt of truth is cinched in a way that operates like a weight belt for a gym rat. What it does is it is cinched in such a way that it literally causes the warrior's muscles to respond in the way that his leader wants them to. Let that sink in. When you have the belt of truth, girded around your life. The end of the battle doesn't change, but your reaction in the middle of the battle is totally different. The way that your muscles respond, the way that your emotions respond, the reactions that you have in the middle of the most intense moments, those all change when you have the belt of truth girded around your life. Look back at this battle. I want you to see the way that this ends because it's so powerful. Second Kings 6 verse 15 says that when the servant of the man of God got up, and remember they're surrounded now. They found Elisha. The entire army has surrounded him and his servant. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. How many of you have been in that moment? Surrounded. Look at how the servant responds. This is a servant that's been with Elisha. He's seen how God has used him. He's seen how clearly he hears from the Lord. And yet he says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Lord, how, how, how are we gonna handle this? God must have left us. Verse 16, Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Some of you need to hear that tonight. Don't be afraid. Those who are with you are more than those that surround you. And I love this part 
because scripture says that Elisha prayed. He went back to that connection with God. He prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Some of you tonight will pray for the very first time, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see your army fighting that battle. We prayed here tonight for ministering, warring angels to go to you at your work. In that moment when you were trying to decide, is it really worth it? Do I drive across town in the rain when my husband's gonna be ticked off because he's got the kids? We prayed, and if your eyes could be opened to the army that is fighting for you, fighting with you, those that are for you are more than those against you. And somebody in this room needs to hear, you think that you've been walking through a battle because God's mad at you. And he said, I'm letting you see the battle so that you can see how for you I am. Without the battle, you wouldn't have your eyes opened. I need you to understand just how willing I am to do whatever it takes for you. Verse 18, scripture says, as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. Again, that connection. Strike this army with blindness, Lord. And so the Lord did exactly as Elisha had asked. Go home tonight, read the rest of the way that this ends. It's so bizarre. Because what happens is that the Lord strikes the entire opposing army blind and then literally confuses them to the point where they're th they think they're being led into their home city and Elisha's leading them right into the middle of Israel. And where you think there's going to be tons of bloodshed, like the Lord tells them, actually make an entire meal for them. And as a result, history shows us that for generations, those armies didn't war anymore without one life being lost when we do it fully His way. Powerful, so powerful. And I've gone long tonight, forgive me. Those of you that need to leave before we do the discussion questions, be blessed, understand that, that we get it but your kids are having a blast upstairs. I can promise you. Tonight I wanna to pray for you. A few things. I wanna pray number one, that your eyes would be opened to what truth really is. That you would make a choice tonight to decide that your truth is determined by the word of God and nothing else not by your feelings, not by your emotions, not by what other people say or even what they do, the Word of God. And number two, I wanna pray that the Lord would open your eyes in a real new way about who the enemy really is, about who we are fighting, 
about how he wants you to fight. I want him to open your eyes to the idea that he literally desires you so much that he won't even do his will on earth without you asking. That's how much he wants to be in communication with you. He won't even do his will. I had this long conversation this week with this amazing theologian and I literally said, I said, do you understand that the fall of man happened because God is faithful to his word? And he's like, what? I said, he could have intervened. He could have kept that from happening, but he'd already given man dominion. And God is faithful to his word. Powerful. I want him to open your eyes to how he wants to use you. Spiritual gifts that he's already given you, that you're kind of operating in and you don't even know it. Some of you, the Lord's given visions to, and you are chalking it up to dominoes. Well, I ate that late last night, you know. The Lord's going, I'm trying to blow your mind with things. Some of you walk into a room and you start feeling emotions that don't make any sense. And part of that is because you're called to be an intercessor and you are feeling what the people around you are feeling. And God says, pray for them. And you're going, man, I should probably be on antidepressants. No, you're supposed to be interceding. That is part of your spiritual gifting. But, but when our eyes are closed to what truth really is. Some of you need your eyes open tonight concerning just how for you God is. You're looking around you and you're seeing that you're surrounded. And he's laughing and going, sweet girl, I only let you be surrounded so that you would ask for your eyes to be opened to just how hard I will fight for you. Just how powerful I am for you. Just how much I will do for you. Bow your heads, let me pray with you. If you're here today and you want to for the first time or for the 50th time, maybe it's a first time decision, maybe it's you turning back and looking back to God to truly Decide what is truth for you. If that's you here today, and you wanna say, Lord, I want you to determine my truth. I wanna walk with you, Lord. I wanna serve you. I wanna put on your armor. I wanna fight with you, Lord. I wanna let you fight for me. I wanna give you my life. If that's you, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand right now. One, two, three, yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. So many hands. Lord, you see their hands, God, you know their hearts. In your own way right now, just tell him. In your own way, tell him that you want his truth to be your truth. You want what he says about you to reign supreme in your life. You want what he has for you. You wanna live life for him. Scripture says that all of heaven is rejoicing because of the decision that you just made. And if you made that decision, I want you to tell your group leader in private, one of those moments, because we wanna surround you and gird you up and help equip you to walk this walk. It is not meant to do alone and we will talk about that later in these lessons. 
But maybe you're here tonight and you want God to open your eyes to all that other stuff. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to the true battle. Open my eyes to exactly how you want to use me, Lord. Open my eyes to the spiritual giftings that you've placed in my life and the ones that are available. Open my eyes so that I can see that those that are for me are so much greater than those that are against me. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Yes. Lord, you see our hands. You know our hearts, God. We want you to open our eyes, Father. Help us truly not only to see the truth of the war that we, we are in the middle of, God. Help us to recognize who we really are fighting and also who we're not supposed to fight. Help us to know, God, that our war is not flesh and blood, even though it can come in that form sometimes. Lord, help us open our eyes to exactly how you wanna use us the spiritual giftings, God, that you've placed inside of us. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Give us the courage to follow you in new and powerful warrior ways. God, we are so grateful. We thank you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.